This is Saving Grace, Living in Light of God's Love, a podcast ministry brought to you by Grace School of Theology, a seminary to the world committed to the truth of Scripture and life application through the lens of grace. Hi, I'm Raylene Berry. I have the privilege of being the first undergraduate of Grace School of Theology, and I am currently working on my Master's of Divinity at Grace. Today, I am very excited to be your host of the podcast. The book of James tells us trials will come in our lives, and it helps us deal with them when they arise. We are starting a six-part series entitled Strong at the Broken Places. Today, we will look at what this all means and why trials come. Over the next few weeks, we will look at what breaks us and what the Lord does to strengthen us. We will look at failure, unjust suffering, loss, doubt, sin, and stress. Today, we will hear from Grace alumni, former adjunct professor, Bible teacher, and pastor Mark Ray, who has stepped into the role of VP of Community Development for Grace School of Theology and the executive director of the Center for Grace. Mark has a substantial history with Grace School of Theology, including being an original board of trustee member and primary advisor for the earliest days. He taught evangelism as part of some of his early classes. Mark also has long-standing personal relationships with the seminary's leaders, as well as with many of the school's key donors and partners. Let's listen in as Mark Ray, who taught this series at Midland Bible Church, shares with us about Golden Repairs. It's called Kintsugi. Kintsugi is a Japanese word that literally translates into golden repair. Kintsugi is the ancient art of taking something broken, like a piece of pottery, and then through a mixture of lacquers and precious metals like gold and silver and platinum dusted into the lacquer, broken pieces are put back together. They take the brokenness and the history of the brokenness and they repair it to such a point that the, the brokenness and the repair actually becomes a part of the beautiful history of a piece of pottery. It's not disguised, it's actually brought to the surface. It's actually enhanced so that something that has been broken in the past actually has more beauty now than it did because it's been broken. Isn't that a cool concept? Something that has been broken that is repaired with special precious metals that actually now has a, a whole new beauty to it because of its brokenness. Let me show you a couple of other pictures of pottery that's been broken and repaired. Isn't that just gorgeous? How about that one? Some of these Kintsugi masters actually will paint with the gold not only the cracks and fill the cracks, but they'll also paint pictures on them with this as well, creating brand new works of art. It's been taken to, to jewelry, it's been taken to stone, it's been taken to a number of different elements so that what you get is the beauty of brokenness that has been repaired with precious metals. It's the basis for what the next six-week series is going to be about. 
strong at the broken places, the places where we are broken, that God steps in in a precious way and creates strength, creates beauty out of that brokenness. Trials, loss, failure, unjust suffering, sin, doubt, those things that break us. And what does God do in the midst of that to strengthen us? This morning, we're going to take a very specific look at trials, the reality of trials in our life, our response to those trials, and then the result of those trials. And in the midst of that, we get to take communion, the celebration of the trial that Christ went through on our behalf. Isn't that wonderful? As we look at this this morning, we're going to be in James chapter 1, the first four verses. But I want to start with a quote, and this quote from all people comes from Ernest Hemingway. Would you put that quote up there, please? Hemingway says, life breaks us all. Isn't that the truth? Ever been broken by life? Ever been through trials? Raise your hand if you've been through a trial. Boy, this is just unanimous. And if you you haven't been through a trial, you will be. If you've been through one, you'll be through another. Hemingway says, life breaks us all, but many are made strong at the broken places. It's where we get the title for this entire series, Strong at the Broken Places. We're going to take a look this morning at how trials can break us, the reality of those in our life, and what God does in the midst of that. So if you'll turn with me to James chapter 1, we're going to be looking at the first four verses. I want to start with the first verse and the reality of trials in our life. James starts it by saying this, James, and then he says, a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. He conducts himself as a servant. He presents himself as a servant of God and a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, a servant. Certainly situations that James was very familiar with, trials in his life as an apostle of Jesus Christ, as the gospel was being spread out, you know that James went under trials, don't you? We know that from his writings. We know that from the historicity of the apostles that they all went through their own trials. And he writes this letter to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. It's a great statement. These are the 12 tribes that went out, the believers that went out to begin to expand the kingdom of God beyond Jerusalem and to expand it in the outposts, in the hinterlands of the world. These are the the believers that went out, and this letter is an encouraging letter from James, who had gone through his own trials, out to those believers who were at the farthest outpost, bringing the gospel, coming under unique trials. James says, to those who are scattered, to those who are away from home. And then he gives this word. He says, greetings. Now, I want to give you a little bit of a definition for the word greeting, because in the Greek, it does not mean, hey, how are you? In the Greek, what this little word greetings means, it means a command to rejoice, or a command to be satisfied with your situation. So what James says to those who are scattered, to those who are going under trial, to those who are out there, he puts a command in front of them to rejoice in the midst of your trial. It's a command to be satisfied with what God is doing in your midst, to be satisfied with your circumstances because God's at work. And he's going to unfold this here in just a minute. But isn't it a beautiful thing to be able to say to the believers out there, here's a command to you. 
The command to you is to rejoice. James doesn't say the command to you is to wallow in self-pity. He doesn't say the command to you is to be depressed. The command to you is to be disillusioned by life. He says the command to you is to rejoice. And he's going to give us the reasons why. He continues and he says this. My brothers, isn't that a reason to rejoice? Look around you and see the body of Christ and know that what he says is, my brothers, we are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ because of what Christ has done for us. Because of trust and faith in him, we have a common bond together, and that's a reason to rejoice. But then he says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. I want to read to you a quote from Dave Anderson. Dave Anderson wrote a little book called Triumph Through Trials, and here's what he says about this particular verse. He says, James doesn't say, count it all joy if you fall into various trials. He says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Trials are not optional. They're inevitable. Trials are a normal part of God's process of bringing us to glory. Let me say that again. Trials are a normal part of God's process of bringing us to glory. It isn't something strange. It is rather something inevitable. Jesus told the disciples, you will have trouble in this world, right? Thank you. Oh, we've got to get back in the habit of just engaging here. Jesus said to the disciples, you're going to have troubles in this world. And the disciples had troubles in this world, right? They had difficulties. They had struggles. And he said, you're going to have these struggles because of me. Listen to 1 Peter, verse 4, uh, 1 Peter 4, verse 12. He says, beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. Peter says it. You're going through trials. Why do you think that's a strange thing? Christ said you're going to have them. They're a normal part of life. This is what God does. He uses these trials to mold us and shape us. So why do you think it's weird? Why do you think it's strange when you have trials? They're going to happen. Life is not easy. As Hemingway says, it breaks us all. The question is going to be, how do we respond to that? You see, even Christ had trials. He had the Pharisees who came after him. He had a number of people who were out to kill him, and ultimately he had his own trial of following God's will all the way to the point of death, even death on a cross. He had his own incredible trial for our sake. And if Christ experienced trials, who are we to think that we won't? The question is not will we have trials or will we not have trials. The question is how will we respond to those trials? Let's look at what James says about our response to trials. He says, my brethren, in verse 2, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing the beginning of verse 3. Now, what James gives us here is a couple of phrases that we need to break down for a moment. The first one is count it. Count it in the Greek means to take stock to take a step back and get all the facts around us, to put your emotions aside for just a moment, and to take stock of what's going on. To understand the scenario that's in front of you, the trial that's in front of you, and what James tells us in the midst of this is to look to see Christ in the middle of that trial. 
Because the reality is, if, if we all are going to go through trials, and Christ has told us that, and he's told us he's, he walks in those trials with us, he, he never leaves us or forsakes us, then what do we need to be looking for in the midst of those trials? Christ. We need to see him when he shows up in those trials. We need to see the trial for what it is and what God's trying to do in the midst of that trial. So first, James tells us to count it, to consider it, to take stock, to understand, to get the facts around us so that we can assess what's going on in this trial. But he gives us the second side, count it all joy. He doesn't say count it a little joy or count it more joy. He says, count it all joy. The idea behind all joy in the Greek is this, pure, genuine, complete joy that is not tainted by self-pity. It's not tainted by discouragement. It's not tainted by depression because what we see in the midst of that trial is Jesus Christ. And when Christ is in the middle of it, gee, if God is for me, who can be even my trial can't be against me if God is for me. So God in the middle of my trial should help me assess so that I have complete joy. I have full joy. I have untainted joy in the midst of this trial. Easy? No. But that's why we count it. That's why we consider it. That's why we walk through it. That's why... In fact, the next word he uses is the word knowing. Count it all joy. Count it complete joy. Count it pure joy, knowing. That's a word that in the Greek means to know by experience. It's experiential knowledge, which means every time you go through a trial and you see Christ in the middle of it, you experience more and more of Christ in the middle of it. Guess what you get to know the next time you have a trial? I look for Christ in the middle of it because I know he's there. And the more I experience him in the midst of my trial, the more my joy becomes complete and full, untainted by discouragement or self. I don't sit there and go, oh, woe is me. I'm in the middle of a trial because I'm looking for Christ in the middle of it. I'm seeing him walk me through it as difficult as it can be. And ultimately, I know there's a purpose behind it. Do you know that that was this deep? what God wants to do with us in the midst of a trial and why we walk through trials? Because he wants us to consider and see his son in the middle of it so that we will know him deeply and fully in the midst of this trial. Amen. Selwyn Hughes, this wonderful, marvelous pastor, wrote a number of devotions, especially related to this. He says this about this verse. He says, God specializes in matching his ability to your disability. God specializes in being that precious metal that binds you in the midst of your brokenness. God specializes in the place where you are weak, bringing strength so that you grow stronger. God specializes in the place where your faith lacks. He brings his strength so that your faith gets stronger in the midst of it. God creates something beautiful out of your brokenness. His ability in the midst of your disability. It's what he says, is this is how we know. I want you to hear Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, amen, 
Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us with this as our focus, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Looking to Jesus, this is exactly what James is saying, take stock, assess, see Christ in the middle of it, because he's the one that not only establishes your faith, but grows your faith, completes it, matures it, because that's what Christ is looking for. He's looking for a body of believers around the world who have strength in their faith in Him. The object of our faith. And so what He calls us to is this strengthening of our faith that can only be strengthened in the midst of trials. That's where it gets its strongest because we recognize Him, we walk through it, we experience it, and at the other end we come out going, wow, I never knew I could get through that but for the strength of Christ in the middle of it. Who for the joy that was set before Christ endured the cross, his own trial, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You become his joy as you go through trial after trial, looking straight to Christ and seeing your faith matured, finished, completed, strengthened in Jesus Christ. A little bit different perspective on the trial you might be going through right now? Maybe God wants to do something in the midst of that and show you Christ a way you've never seen Him before and watch your faith strengthened, lifted up, matured and completed in the midst of that. Listen to Philippians 2. Paul says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What he doesn't say is work for your salvation. He says the salvation you already have, work it out in your life. The fact that you are saved by grace through faith, the fact that by trusting in Christ you have this salvation, now work this salvation out in all areas of your life. How does my trust and faith in Christ and abundant life now and in eternity matter in the midst of trials? How does it work its way out? How does it become a part of my life? In the latter half of this verse, work out for fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Guess what his good pleasure is? Your strengthened faith that ultimately glorifies him because you manifest Christ. What he is saying to us is work on that salvation because God's in the middle of it with you and he's working on you for your best to strengthen your faith which glorifies him. Did you know that by going through a trial you can glorify God? Did you know that by going through a trial your faith can be strengthened to the point that there is no trial that can knock you down? Do we see a completely different purpose for trials in our life? I want you to hear what Selwyn Hughes says about this. In his devotion on this, he says, Be quite clear about this. No one can fully represent the Christian way of living until they commit themselves to believing that though God may allow what happens, what looks like to be a disaster in the life of one of his children, he does so only if he can turn it to good effect. God only allows what comes into your life to be difficult if he can turn it, only if he can turn it to good effect. He, he goes on to say, if transformation is not possible, then God would never have allowed it to happen in the first place. So let this truth sink deep into your spirit. God only allows what he can use. 
So if I believe that God is good, if I believe He has my best at heart, then a trial that He allows into my life is to be used for what? My good. The strengthening of my faith. If trials are inevitable, then how do I change my perspective? I begin to see Christ in the middle of it. I see Him working. I see Him molding and shaping me. I see Him turning me into the image of His Son. I see God in the middle of that with me. And I see that He set the example by having His body broken and His blood shed for me so that I could experience Him even in the midst of trials. So there's a reality. We're going to go through trials. There's a response to see Christ in the middle of it, to see what he's doing in the middle of it, to see his purpose, and his purpose is good for each one of us. But there's a result. And I want to talk you through just for a moment the result. Because James doesn't just leave us with a response. Here's the result. Starting in verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The first thing that James tells us is that going through this trial tests us. And the Greek for that translates into it refines us. You may know the story of the refiner's fire, that when a refiner is burning off out of molten metal, he's burning off the impurities, what he's looking for, when all the impurities are gone, he looks for his reflection in that liquid metal. What James tells us is that we go through these times of trials testing because what God is looking for is the reflection of his son in us. It is a refining, it is a testing. Therefore, at times difficult. But that testing is a refining, it's a molding, it's a shaping, it's a burning off the impurities so that the, the face of Christ, the manifestation of Christ, the glory of Christ comes through. He then says it produces patience. The translation of patience out of the Greek is to remain under. Isn't that a great phrase? Patience means to remain under, to remain under God's protection, to remain under His watch, but to remain under the trial that He has placed in front of us. You may ask yourself the question, God, why do I have to stay under this? Why can't you just do it really quick? Well, first of all, let me tell you that refining takes time. And in that taking time, what God is doing is bringing the fullness of that testing to bear. The fullness of that patience to bear. The fullness of what He's doing. What He doesn't want us to do is to miss the full benefit of what He's bringing that trial into our life for. Doesn't that sound wonderful? I get the full benefit of this trial. The full benefit of what's for my good. Of what God is doing. Of how He's shaping me, of how he's maturing me. And then James says, let that patience have its perfect work, its perfect result, that our faith becomes mature, that we become mature, that we become who we were created to be, 
That when we trust in Christ, we have redemption, we have reconciliation, we are made holy, we're made pure. And those trials are what brings us to that work in this life so that we live like who we are. We are holy. We are His children. We are made righteous because of Christ's work on the cross, but we many times don't live like it, and so those trials are used by God to burn off those impurities, to mold us and shape us and to strengthen us so that the beauty of our faith comes through. Never thought those trials contained all that, did you? Listen to what he says in the, the writer of Hebrews 11.34 says, and this is, Hebrews 11 is that hall of faith, all these different faith people. The writer of Hebrews says that these faith people quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword, and out of weakness were made strong. Do you ever desire to be made strong? That's what those trials are for, to strengthen us. You know, in the medical practice, you find that when you cut yourself and a scar forms, the scar tissue is stronger than your own skin. When you break a bone, many times the bone where it heals, it heals stronger than the actual bone. Many times when we are broken by trials in this life, we come back stronger because of that brokenness. Listen to 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10. Paul says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. (laughs) Great descriptor of this, isn't it? Our own earthen vessel. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. The treasure that's in our earthen vessel is that we carry in this earthen vessel the power of God. The Holy Spirit indwelling us, living inside of us in these cracked earthen vessels that the power of God emanates from us because of the work of Christ on the cross. And because of that, we're hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Let me, let me give you those adjectives one more time. We're not crushed. We're not in despair. We're not forsaken. We're not destroyed. We are victorious because we've been through these trials. We've seen Christ in the middle, and he's walked us through each one of those and strengthened our faith emboldened us, made us strong in him so that we live victorious lives. Amen? Amen. I don't want you running out of here going, God, give me a trial. (laughs) But I do want you to look at it from the standpoint that in that trial, God desires and allows that trial for the purpose of strengthening us. Paul says in verse 10, always carrying about in the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our body. We are the manifestors of, the, of Christ Jesus, the body of Christ. We individually and corporately, we manifest Christ and what it takes is these earthen vessels to be strengthened so that we manifest Christ. We have that privilege of showing off Christ to the world and it comes through faith. It comes through strong Faith in the midst of difficult times. Listen to Jesus in Matthew 5, 48. He says, therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Well, how am I perfected? Through the trials that will inevitably come. 
We are strengthened, we are perfected, we are matured, we are made whole. And I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12. He complained all this time about having a thorn in his side, this one struggle that he walked through, his own trial. And Christ said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. You see, when trials come, they point out our weaknesses and the perfect place for Christ to come in and begin to strengthen us with his power, with his might, with his strength so that we are these incredible vessels of faith for him. Ken Geyer wrote a book called Shaped by the Cross. And I want you to hear what he says about Christ on the cross. He says this, we are the work of his hands, you and I. Which is to say we're the roughly quarried stone on our way to becoming the magnum opus of God, the great work of God's life. The work he thinks of, the work he dreams of, the work he frets over, the work he obsesses over. We are a masterpiece in the making. We are his masterpiece. Do you ever think of yourself that way? Let me rephrase that question. You ever think of yourself that way? We are, Ephesians 2, Paul says, we are his workmanship. We are what he has created. We are his masterpiece. When he made you, he broke the mold. Some of you may be saying amen. Amen. Geyer continues and says, the circumstances of our life which God uses to craft our character are often jarring, sometimes difficult to understand and difficult to endure. What is required of us, advises the poet Rilke in times like these, is that we love the difficult and learn to deal with it. In difficult are the friendly forces, the hands that work on us. Geyer says they're God's hands. And just as Jesus worked beside the Father in the creation of the world, so he lends his hands in the crafting of our character. Now get this. Those hands are sometimes near, touching the contours of our soul. Other times they are far, searching for a different tool to mold and shape me. All times, though, they are purposeful. Their purpose is to make us Beautiful. A trial, an ugly thing in life that God uses to make us beautiful. I want to conclude by reading out of Paul's wonderful letter to the Romans. I'm going to read a couple of verses and I'm going to ask us to stand and read three verses together. The first two verses I want to read, this is out of Romans 8. Paul says this in verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And let me ask you the question, do you know that? Do you know that all things, including the trials that he allows in your life, are to be used for good for you who are called? And they're for a purpose, to make you beautiful. Verse 35 
Paul says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword or our trials? Will anything separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ? Let me rephrase that question. Will anything separate us from Christ? No. no. Stand with me. He concludes this wonderful chapter with these three verses, and I want, to read us to read, I want us to read them together. I want us to read them together as ones who have walked through trials with Christ walking beside us. Let's read them together. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me ask you this question. When you go through trials, is that what you envision? That these trials take me to a point that nothing, including that trial, can separate me from Christ. And if that's what you think about, then rejoice, friends. And rejoice because God takes the brokenness of our lives. He takes the broken things in our lives and makes a golden repair that is more beautiful because it's been broken. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for next week as Mark identifies that failure is not fatal. For more information about this series and Grace School of Theology, visit our website at gsot.edu. You have been listening to Saving Grace, a podcast ministry of Grace School of Theology. For more information, visit gsot.edu slash savinggrace. Views expressed on this podcast may not always be the views of Great School of Theology or its leadership.